Welcome to the Missing Chapter Podcast, where you will hear some of the least known, obscure, and entertaining stories the history textbooks left out. Starring Phil Horander and Phil Schaff. There are two camps of people in the world, cat people and dog people. If you're as old as the Catholic Church, it's safe to say you've had your fair share of battles and have made your fair share of enemies over the years. In the Catholic Church, it would seem, undeniably falls into the latter camp and is certainly not cat people. The Church's war against felines in the 13th century was of epic proportions and would have repercussions that extended far beyond which domesticated animals people welcomed into their homes. In fact, the decree issued by the Catholic Pope in 1233 would help contribute to the death of nearly 25 million people in Europe. In this episode of the Missing Chapter podcast, we look at history's disdain for cats and how the Catholic Church's attack on them would help ignite a pestilence that gripped an entire continent. Over the last two seasons, we've enjoyed bringing unknown stories from history to you every weekend. Now it's your turn to bring a story to us. Every town in every corner of the world has a story, and its history is our history. Tell us the story about your hometown and what makes it special or unique. We're calling it Hometown History. Who or what is your town known for? Tell us your hometown story either in an email or a voice message from our Facebook page. Phil and I will choose one hometown's history to research and profile in a full episode of Season 3 of The Missing Chapter. And we'll contact you to be a part of it. Every hometown has a story. The next chapter we add to the history textbooks could be yours. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Missing Chapter Podcast. I'm Phil Schaff here with Phil Hornder. Uh, I think it's it's pretty obvious at this point in uh, season two, Phil, that we talk about coffee a lot. We drink a lot of coffee. Our students know this. And um, while on vacation, two of our students um, over spring break brought us home some Disney coffee, which we brewed today. And I tell you what, it's amazing. So big shout out to uh, Michelle Battisti and Robbie Stemley. Um, thank you so much for bringing us some coffee. And today we're brewing Disney's Tusker House, full and robust aroma with hints of chocolate and caramel with a subtle smoky finish. And I'm on cup number two already. Yeah, so am I, Phil. And it's, you know, it's fun because you and I pride ourselves. Cheers, by the way. Bye. By the way, there you go. Uh, we pride ourselves in, you know, during this podcast, being able to differentiate between fact and, and fiction. And it's a fact we have great students. I mean, we say this all the time. We love our jobs. We're very fortunate in the positions that we have. And to think that kids were in Disney World and for a brief moment, we're thinking about their history teachers and thinking about us and 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 spent some money and some time uh, to bring that back is is pretty remarkable. It and it's, it's special. It makes you feel good. Yeah. So big thank you to Robbie and uh, Michelle. Yeah. Now, moving into today's episode, Phil, uh, I think curious is the is the mm-hmm. key word. I think you with the intro, you've you've. Arouse yeah. some curiosity in all of us. Curious. And I, I was trying to think, Phil, correct me if I'm wrong. Thinking back from to, to season one, how many episodes have we done? 
uh, that uh, that center around animals. I Ooh. know the Iditarod one that I did, which was a short. I did the one uh, about a dog in World War II. Yep. Um, is that it? That might be. We that. haven't done many animal. No. No, and and you and I are both animal enthusiasts. I mean, we right. both have cats. Uh, I have a dog. Yep. Um, I grew up with animals. Same here. So you know, I came across this one, and and I thought to myself, you know, I think this is a good one in, in that. It, it kind of gives you a full picture of the role of this animal throughout history. And then specifically in a very important turning point in European history, you know, it kind of works its niche into as well. Yeah. And I'm, I, I, to, to live off that curious, uh, the name. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm really, this is one of those, I know we always say this, but this is one of those episodes where you have told me nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did the intro and that was about it. And I've, I've been tempted to, to make some Google searches and, and do some research on this, but I haven't, just so you know. Well, I'm going to start off today by saying that the most popular pet in the world is the feline, is the cat. Really? Yeah. And um, I guess it doesn't surprise me. I mean, I, I, I think more countries probably it's easier in, in some respects to have cats as opposed to dogs. Dogs, you you kind of... You need some some space for them to maybe go for a walk or be able to run, whereas okay. you know cats can hang out in inside and they seem kind of content to find a nice place to sleep all day. Because well, because <laughs> you, you when you said most popular, immediately I went to dogs mm-hmm. because you would think that there are you know some people that are, I mean I would say a lot of people are dog people, but not everybody are cat people. You right. know what I mean? Exactly. There's, a, there's that no. huge group of, of population, I think, yes. that are just not cat lovers. And people kind of pride themselves into whichever camp they fall into. You yeah. know, the, the dog camp versus the cat. But I'm know, sure group. you have, but, yeah, I'm sure you have those those people, though, that have like 12 cats. Right, exactly. So, that, that, no, yeah. that's a great point. But it's interesting, as I did my research, the, the role cats have played throughout history, not just today. And it's been throughout the globe, and it's been thousands of of years ago, mm-hmm. cats have been, you know, welcomed into the homes of people. You know, if we look at the Middle East, um, researchers have discovered fairly recently in areas in Mesopotamia and, and specifically Turkey, the Ottoman region, Mediterranean islands like Cyprus, cats were living with with people thousands of years before they even existed in places like Egypt, wow. where we tend to associate cats as playing an important role. That's that's immediately where my mind went to. Yeah. You know. The, the cat cemeteries you would see in Egypt. Right, and so right. Yep. And, and even, you know, um, the American History um, Museum in Albany has a mummified cat as yeah. part of their Egyptian display. You know, in fact, evidence suggests that people domesticated cats in the Middle East more than 10,000 years ago. Wow. And cats were revered in many of the region's traditions. Researchers consider the Middle East the place where people first domesticated cats. And additionally, Phil, you're going to like this, the first evidence of the blotched or tabby coat pattern, which commonly appears in domesticated cats today, appeared in Turkey during the 14th century. That's insane. So if we want to talk about history and, you know, tradition and culture, cats have been really enmeshed with our lives for, you know, 10,000 years. I guess they never really put that in perspective. Yeah, or maybe never even thought about it. Yeah. Uh, If we move to Africa, we said Egypt really is where we kind of uh, tend to have our minds go with cats. The ancient Egyptians began domesticating the African wildcat as early as 4,000 years ago. And in ancient Egypt, people believed that cats were magical, divine, godlike. In fact, ancient Egyptians worshipped a feline goddess named Bestet, who was depicted as half feline, half woman. 
And throughout the artifacts from ancient Egypt, cats are a very symbolic fixture, illustrating value, popularity, and companionship with humans. Even in death, people immortalize the cats of ancient Egypt as mummies. Yeah, and I think there's a there's an attachment to is when we you know studied a lot of you know the ancient civilizations. There's a lot of attachment to you know the lions, the tigers right. that are you know mystical creatures, and then you, just kind of like a smaller version of those mm-hmm. of those animals. That's I think one way they could say we have an attachment to the powerful right. lion, uh, but in just small feline form, domesticated form. I think yeah. that it's always been like if I could have a pet lion, I'd be happy. That'd be amazing, right? <laughs> but I can't. So a cat is the next best right. thing. And, right? and cats, you know, helped ward off evil spirits, mm-hmm. according to the Egyptians, which I think is important to point out for kind of the overriding theme of what, what I'm going to lay out today in my story. Side note. Yes. In season one. Yes. Would you ever imagine we'd be in season two about halfway through and talking cats? No. Okay. No. Right. But as our as our listeners know, our loyal listeners, who now are in so many different countries in the world, Phil, I, you and I daily are astonished by that. I think they've come to expect a very diversified catalog of episodes. Did you just say catalog? Catalog? There yes. you go. All right. Oh that was unintentional, God. but a good catch by my, by my co-host. <laughs> Let's move on to Asia. Around 3000 BC, the people of China began domesticating the leopard cat and what they called the Western wild cat for pest control. So here it's, it's domestication, but they, they're also serving a duty. During the Sung Dynasty, which was 960 to 1279, people cherished cats as loyal pets. Artists began depicting them in paintings and sculptures, and the Chinese culture considered the cat as a symbol of good luck. You know, that's funny because you just said getting rid of rodents and those kind of things, and, and it just dawned on me. We, we did two episodes of The Strange of Strange Bird. Oh, that's part true. One part two. Yes. So we have mentioned yes. some animals, um, and one of those reasons why they, they did that, and obviously this is not part of part one of a strange bird, but part two is to get rid of pests. Right. No. And that brings up a good point. I mean, we think of animals in our lives today, there's, there's a companionship element, but there is, you know, especially early on, they're serving almost a, a um, like a beast of burden. Yeah. There's a, there's a labor element to, to yeah, it as well. Yeah. I'm going to skip over Europe for the, for the time being, I'll come back to that. North and South America cats arrive here uh, with European settlers as part mm-hmm. of the Colombian exchange. As the settlers began to cultivate the land again, Cats helped establish the unique human-animal bond through their natural ability to hunt and drive away rodents. Starting to see a trend here. Yeah. And serve, again, as loyal companions. Today, it's estimated, okay, that the domestic cat, like I said earlier, is the most popular household pet in the United States. In the U.S., it's estimated we have nearly 74 million cats living in homes. Oh, my God. 74 million. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that's that's a huge number. It Even really more is. than I probably would have. Speculated. I mean, that's that's almost like what one in four, one in five right. homes. Yeah. Because we have about three hundred thirty million people. Mm-hmm. Now I know we, we're history teachers, but if I did my math right, that's like one in four, one in five. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, very good. Thank you. So listen, I intentionally skipped over Europe, and now I'm going to come back to that. Okay. Okay. Because our our story today centers around the mid 13th century and the role of the cat and the view of the feline in the eyes of the Catholic Church. And specifically, Ooh. Pope Gregory the Ninth, who held the papacy from 1227 to 1241. So he actually wasn't really um, the pope for all that long. And we've mentioned him in the past. He, we have, yes. And and the impact he's going to have and the ripple effect from some of what he's he's about to do is going to have grave consequences. I'm curious because he had, a, he had obviously a big impact 
on the Gregorian calendar. That's why mm-hmm. we have that, uh, you know, which we've modeled our, our calendar after, uh, made some changes. And that, that goes back to season one, uh, take your time, right. you know, and changing the calendar and, and missing out on um, New Year's days and that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah. Boy, here I, he is again. Here he is again. Here he is again. So he held the papacy from 1227 to 1241. And Gregory based his theory on cats around, quote unquote, evidence. Evidence collected by Conrad of Marburg, who was a papal inquisitor. So go out, gather you know information on specific topics that, that the Pope and the church specifically needed information on. According to Conrad of Marburg, people who had a propensity for worshiping the devil also made mention of a black cat Mm. that seemed to always be present in their accounts. Now, it should be pointed out here, Phil, that these confessions, so-called confessions, were usually coerced and came following periods of torture and torment. Oh, okay. So, yeah, big asterisk next to that. But the confessions were given nonetheless, and the consistency of the cat in each story and documentation was enough for the Catholic Church and Pope Gregory IX to draw the connection between Lucifer and not just black cats who seemingly have gotten a black or a, a bad rap here. And my son will always point out as popular as the cats are in, in um, our pets today, the black cat still is the one that people tend to shy away from. That's true. I told him I was going to do this episode and he said, yeah, make sure you point out that black cats still don't get adopted as often from shelters as regular tabby cats. Look at that. Yeah. That's amazing. So thank you, Andrew. Yeah. And, but, and the fact that it, it, there's so much super superstition exactly. involved here too, right? Yeah. I mean, Whether it's think... consciously or subconsciously, we tend to shy away from black cats. That's why I, yeah. I guess I never really thought of that. But, you know, in the eyes of Pope Gregory the Ninth, it didn't matter what, what color cat. All kinds, all colors of felines. We we now have that connection in the eyes of the church and Pope Gregory the Ninth that the cat is associated with the devil. And he's going to make some very important decisions based on this. So as a result... Gregory took very drastic measures. On June 13th, 1233, Gregory issued what was called the Vox in Rama, an official papal decree declaring that Satan was half cat and sometimes took the form of a cat during satanic masses. Therefore, Europe must purge itself of cat-like images and target cats for extermination. In the process, Gregory preached that Europe would be weakening Satan's grip on the heart and souls of his parishioners and his congregation. This is going in a weird direction. Yes. So thus begins almost a genocide of sorts against cats. Immediately, as you start talking about the the link between Satan and and the cat, Mm -hmm. I immediately go to uh, the cat from Hocus Pocus. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. the, the black cat it freaks me out. Every, I hate that movie. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, th- th- this is a very interesting turn of events here. Mm-hmm. Catholics throughout Europe began slaughtering any feline that entered their property. And it's important to note here as well, this will eventually evolve into also burning at the stake anyone suspected of having contact with the purring pets. Oh my God. So if you're associated with a cat, that's also something that results in death. So now... As I mentioned before, this extended beyond just specific cats of color. However, back to the black cats. Black cats were thought to be especially evil and especially malevolent. Historians believe that their targeting might still be visible in Europe today. Okay. Here's where a distinct set of ironic circumstances works itself into play. And the course of European history takes a dramatic turn. Maybe the most striking turn in all of European history. 
just because of the extermination of cats. We mentioned earlier that in places like China, cats were especially revered, not only because they were companions, but because they served the purpose of getting rid of rodents, getting rid of rodents. It's believed that the bubonic plague that became widely known as the Black Death for its wide swatch of destruction that it caused over the entire continent initially arrived in Europe in October of 1347 when 12 ships from the Black Sea docked at the Sicilian port of Messina in Italy. Now, because the death was so prevalent, so widespread, so horrific, early Europeans had no way of explaining it, much less how to prevent it. One of the commonly accepted theories was was that the devil had been introduced, uh, the plague to punish non-believers and sinners. Another theory had the plague spread, again, by cats and feline germs. What? Which is the exact opposite. Right. So regardless, the mass killing of cats in the century prior continues. And the targeting of cats in the mid-14th century only compounded the problem. Oh, my God. The hysteria surrounding felines, the decimation of cat populations decade after decade in turn, ironically, helped account for the immense dramatic increase in the population increase of another species of animal, this time rats. And there we are. And the accounts of rat populations directly increasing as a result of cat populations falling on such a mammoth scale are numerous, especially in places like Rome and Venice. It's generally accepted that fleas and fleas carried by rats were the primary perpetrators and the primary transporters of the plague. Of course. And even in today, my my wife and I visited Venice um, not too long ago. And then the old saying is that there's there's two pigeons for every resident of Venice and four rats for every resident. Yeah. So even even now, rats are an issue. But back then, getting rid of these cat populations certainly made this problem. A big one. And currently, this is what they're doing in, in Chicago. Right. This huge right. rat population. That's, that's they're unleashing cats. And, and this goes back to the, the strange bird part, too. Hey, Mao wants to get rid of all these uh, all these swallows. And so they, they kill it. And here come the locusts. Right. That's so right. now they have to unleash a, a second bird population, chickens and, and ducks, to get rid of that. that that's so nature always point. finds a way. Nature finds a way. You know? Right. Speaking of Jurassic Park. I know. Um, to, to reference Jeff Goldblum. Yes, specifically. Yeah. Thank you. So listen, I, this is this is remarkable. So you're you're essentially saying that because they killed off so many cats, it may not have been the cause, but it certainly exacerbated the. the Absolutely. Spread. Yeah. I mean, it, it, the evidence is too. It, it's too connected to kind of point it out as just being ironic. Right. The fact that they really on such a large scale targeted cats. And then in a pretty short period of time in the scope of history, the Black Death arrives. Whether or not it would have, you know, been minimized if the cat population hadn't been, you know, uh, yeah. messed with. Um, I mean, that's debatable, but I think there's probably a pretty good, you know, thesis statement to, to defend it. Logically, it makes sense. Though. Right. I mean, yeah. predator prey, you know what I mean? So yeah, exactly to your point, Phil, history shows that the Black Death, you know, which ravaged Europe in the mid 1300s was caused by rats and more specifically the fleas they carried, as I said. This means that killing off of the rats' main predators over decades and decades, probably not the best idea. Right. And either prolonged or compounded the devastation. Now, the church's focus on felines didn't stop with Pope Gregory. Pope Innocent VIII, who came to power in the late 1400s during the height of the witch crusades in Western Europe, Catholic clergy dictated that the cat composed of one of the main identifiers of a witch. Widows, in particular, who lived alone 
and often innocently took in or tended to stray cats, often became targets of the church. And it was the Catholic Church went so far as to officially excommunicate the entire species. Oh, my God. Right. And you know what, Phil? After the break, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to outline how felines, as much as they've been revered and loved by different areas of the world, Europe continues their distrust of the cat, so to speak, even today. So, Phil, I got to hand it to you. This one is definitely living up to something which we try to aspire to every episode. You know, in our description for the podcast, mm -hmm. it's coming up with these obscure, random, bizarre stories of well-known events, right? So right. here we are. Um, and in the break, I, I got thinking to myself, there's like this huge chasm between the groups of people that want like 15 cats and, and seek to, to find more. And then there's groups of people that are like, I don't want those things coming anywhere right. near me. You know what I mean? I just, for this animal specifically, historically speaking, I wonder if, if that big divide between those two groups of people started around this time period. Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't think it certainly helped. Right. And, you know, th getting back to what you, uh, what you originally said too, Phil, is that, you know, it's looking at history through a different lens. And, and in this case, looking at it through the lens of an animal. And, you know, I was thinking as I was doing my research, aside from cats and dogs, maybe horses would be another animal where you could kind of trace history or look at important historic events through the eyes of, of an animal. I'm not sure beyond those three, if, if any other animal really kind of lends itself to do that. But, you know, this idea of, of focusing in on felines and the cat, you know, it's worth noting that, that cat torturing, cat hating ha did kind of transcend time, country, and culture, despite all the positives that I laid out the, at the beginning of the podcast. In Belgium, for instance, an entire festival, and I'm, I'm probably going to get the pronunciation of this uh, wrong, but Katenstoet was dedicated to throwing cats from buildings. Oh, and the last one to be flung from the bell tower was in 1817 and reportedly did its species proud by surviving and running off. And that tradition was denounced. And when it was revived again in the 1930s, it was done so with stuffed toy cats. Oh, wow. Queen Elizabeth I celebrated her coronation with the burning of a cat stuffed effigy. Um, and even today, the Vatican ha has taken swipes at cats, although it indirectly and in conjunction with other domesticated animals. Pope Francis uh, focused on all pets, not just cats, but all pets in a speech recently saying that people spend way too much money on all their furry friends. He said, after food, clothing, and medicine, the fourth item is cosmetic and the fifth is pets, he said, wow. referring to a study on where most people's income goes. And he said, that's serious. And although it's unlikely that arguably, Phil, history's most pro-natural, pro-environment pope would ever encourage cat bonfires, <laughs> yeah. Pope Francis does suggest we take a step back, a step away from the pet aisles at our local stores and kind of reprioritize where our monetary wage earnings and donations go. That's, that's so amazing. a different swipe at a commonly, um, I guess, focused in on animal in the Catholic Church. And it's funny you mentioned about uh, the story about, about throwing felines from from skyscrapers and from big buildings. Cause I actually remember uh, my dad talking about some of his 
watching some of his college buddies in other dorm rooms, mm -hmm. throwing cats from cats from balconies yeah. to see if they land on all fours. You know what I mean? Which right. is unbelievable. Right. And then let's, let's talk about the fact that whether or not they have nine lives, mm -hmm. um, there's something else that's interesting. It just dawned on me too. Prior to this episode, I don't know if you would have been pro cat because you might want to tell the listeners. Yeah. Yeah. What you've inherited. I, I have my own personal history with this too, um, <laughs> which you are well aware of because you've, you've been there through all the different stages, but we did, we, we discovered a very, very small uh, cat uh, a little uh, less than a year ago um, who had been abandoned uh, underneath our, our home's uh, porch. And reluctantly, I'll say um, we eventually adopted said cat. And, uh, and since then, We've become very close, Phil. Yeah. So my my own feelings on cats have, have changed, not just through this podcast, but, you know, through, through some personal experience. But yeah, Koopa Troopa is living <laughs> for all of you um, Mario brothers and, and gaming fans out there, um, is is living his best life with us now. Because you know how it starts. Yard. It starts with, oh, you feel bad for it. Right. And the kids, so you of bring course. bring it to the garage. Absolutely. It then the garage, the garage turns into, oh, you know, we got to get it food. Yes. And, and obviously my two... Um, young sons played a, a yeah. crucial role in that, but I, I'm happy in the decisions I made, and they've—he's definitely become a, a lovable member of our family, yeah, our now, extended family. Now, instead of getting pictures of your boys, I'm getting pictures of the cat. Yes, so exactly. Yeah, this is awesome. But so, listen, awesome episode, uh, very, very bizarre, but historic all the, all through and through, and so right. amazing. And regardless of where you fall, whether you're a dog person or a cat person, you can at least appreciate a good story about cats. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, I'm Phil Schaff. And I'm Phil Horander. Another chapter has been added to the history textbooks.